0: jokerman this is uh i guess the second episode of season five now is that right ian
1: i think that is right evan yes uh, the first episode for those of you who haven't uh, subscribed on the patreon but uh for for all intents and purposes the second episode because uh well we did this we did one before
0: but spiritually this is the first one
1: this is the first one uh we've covered all the news there is to cover on bob dylan in the first episode not that there is any particular news you know Anything that's happened, don't worry about it. But uh, as, as such, we're not going to be going over that once again. Uh, instead, today, we've got uh, we've got something that's been weighing on us for quite some time. Isn't that right, Evan? Weighing on us? Is that
0: how we <laughs> want to put it?
1: <laughs> something we've been leading up to for quite some time. That's
0: slightly more positive, I think. It's the long-promised Tempest episode. And as promised, as, as was laid down, as uh, prophesied... Many months ago now, mm, yeah we have returning champion Steve Gunn to join us. Hello, thanks you for having me again. It's great to be Welcome.
2: back.
1: It's great to have you back. Right uh, right on, the, uh, right on the, the precipice I guess by the time this episode comes out, it will have already come out, but as we record, right on the precipice of your new record coming out
2: Yeah, it comes out on Friday. Ste-
1: Hell yeah.
0: Steve Gunn's new album, Tempest Two. it's called
2: (laughs) tempest Two Uh, T t-o-o
0: yeah (laughs) Two tempest uh no it's called other you and it's by steve gunn it's a new long playing record yes and i was fortunate enough to be a show where some of the songs were debuted Yeah, i'm so jealous that you were there
1: and i didn't get to swing by
0: that's because you're in the um the West Coast, on, yeah, in, the privileged,
1: in San uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, privileged glass bubble dome of San Francisco. Evan showed me, Steve. You guys had some <clears> insane <throat> merch uh, at the show—an uh, oyster, like a oyster. Uh, what do you call that? Oyster knife, oyster yeah, spoon, oyster shucker. Yeah, shucker. Incredible. That's maybe the coolest bit of merch that I've ever well, seen. Well,
0: I had to buy one because my job, well, now former job, because I'm starting a new job tomorrow. But uh, until. Recently, I was shucking oysters and clams as a main part of my job as a cook, and I uh, had to purchase the Steve Gunn uh, branded uh, oyster shucker.
1: Did you, did you use Steve's oyster shucker in your job, Evan, or did you use the work uh, the work provided? Materials? No, that's
0: that one's for good. You know that. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, as the Jewish grandmothers would say. That's for good. That's the good oyster shucker. But <laughs> Jewish people actually don't um, aren't supposed to have oysters. I don't. I don't think. Yeah, shellfish. It's not, it's right. uh, You're not, you're not bringing that one to work with you. No, probably not. Yeah.
1: Only on Hull. only on Yom Kippur. Yeah, only on, the, only
0: on the high holidays <laughs> when
1: you're just eating uh, just buff buffets full of oysters, as uh, as the, the Jews of old did.
0: You know no, well, what? I,
2: I just thought that would have been a good idea for for Dylan on his Tempest tour to have an oyster shucker. I was just thinking <laughs> well, yeah, it, it it's sort of
1: nautically non- themed, right? Yeah,
2: or a little captain's hat. Yeah, you know the the whole sinking of the of the ship and all that. Exactly.
1: Yeah, maybe uh, he could have done, like, one of those cool, like, um, you know, like the ships in the bottles that, like, old people like to build with the little tweezers and, like, have a little Titanic ship in a bottle. That would have been, that would have been beautiful. Uh, We're here to talk about Bob Dylan's 2012, 35th studio record. Yes. A a record Yes, we are. Yeah. Well... I
2: think
0: a lot of people like.
2: Is this high? What's the ranking that you guys have given us?
0: If we're going to talk about the rankings of this record, I think that's where I've talked a lot about how I think people don't like the record. and, And I think what I really meant having done some research and seeing that basically all of the reviews of this album are generally positive <laughs> universal it,
1: acclaim, according to metacritic.com. What
0: I really meant is that I think that among Dylan, uh, fans and the Dylan intelligentsia, the Bobcats, I think everyone likes everyone respects and everyone. And I could say everyone sort of loves Tempest. However, I feel that people aren't ready or haven't been ready to admit that it's among the best it's among mm-hmm. the top of the crop it's it's the best one of the that it ranks it's up best there one. It's with one of the, best the ones.
1: other 21st century output love and theft modern times and yeah. i don't i, I think it rowdy. gets
0: it gets a little shafted in in light of those other <laughs> records for no good reason and i i'm here today to tell you that that's mm-hmm. wrong and hopefully by the end of this episode we might all come to understand that it deserves to be in the conversation for the top 10, the top 5, Potentially the top 3, the, the top 2. two. <laughs> <Yeah>. Whoa, Okay. <laughs>
1: According to Evan at least. Wow. Uh, so did you dig this record when it came out, Steve? I remember like when we talked you mentioned this just like unprompted. This was this was one of the records that you dug.
2: Yeah, this I remember talking about this the last episode that we did and I don't you know I didn't I didn't this this one this one was more of a slow burn for me I think Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't like for for me back then when it came out I I just time out of mind I loved so much and this one just took a little longer for me to get into Um, it I, it was a little, I, I don't know, back then for me, it was almost <laughs> a little too rootsy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more I listened to it, the more sort of mystified I was
0: by it. And That's a good word to use, I think, in relation yeah, to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a mystical it, it album is, and it, in a lot of strange ways. The
2: more I listened to it, the more kind of intrigued I was. And I think immediately the first time I just sort of listened to the first two songs and, you know, I almost sort of quickly, I don't know, made the decision that it it wasn't going to be as good as the the previous two. Um, But then when I started digging a little deeper and listening to some of the longer songs (laughs) and how they're (laughs) just so sort of, these long form meditations almost
0: they're very uncompromising i yeah. would say it's a it's an uncompromising album
2: and it's also incredibly dark and 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 just it's like i don't know it's the it, there's a lot of like blood spilling and
0: It's it's a lot of sort of fucking and murdering. Yeah.
2: uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's like blood and bosoms. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's life and death.
2: Bodies floating in the water. And, you know, it's it's really
0: heavy. Bob Dylan has Um, come to bury and not to praise, as he says in one song on the record. Yeah.
2: And he... There's just the focus is really... It's almost yeah. It's it's almost satanic in in a certain way, right? If you know? uh,
0: if time out of mind <clears throat> is sort of a ruminating uh, album, an album that sort of dwells on mortality, like in the in the natural way, like you know that we all die uh, of old age, and we all will uh, we all have to deal with the ravages of time. I think this album is more about lives cut short by accident and by uh, malice. It's more about the, uh, it's the hot version versus the cold of, of that album of time out of mind, which so many of the the songs that people cite as being the darkest and the most um, depressive and most death centric on that record are like, you know, not dark yet being the prime example. It's, it's not a song about, um, violence it's it's more a song about the existential problem of life and death whereas this record at every turn people (coughs) are getting their heads cut off and uh it's and and you know drowning and shot in the chest disemboweled and limbs pulled yep and uh eyeballs poked out yeah it's all it's all of that so it has that sort of um honestly it's it's uh I think you can see all through it the influence of one of Dylan's um, cited influences as a as an artist, the uh, the Odyssey, uh, Homer. You know, there are actually certain line. There is at least one line that is literally taken from, uh, or directly inspired by uh, the Odyssey. I believe Mm. it's um, someone must have slipped a drug in your wine. A line that. he, uh, or a concept that he refers to in his Nobel speech about, um, the odyssey that people mm-hmm. are getting drugged. And, um, and of course the odyssey is, you know, full of, uh, horrific violence. Um, and another book that he cites, uh, in that is the, um, all quiet on the Western front and, and Dylan's description of all quiet on the rest of Western front is like incredibly graphic and, um, and visceral and that I'd be remiss to mention the not to mention the other book of the three that he mentions in his Nobel speech being Moby Dick another book mm-hmm. which I I think you look at good what book. he cites it's a pretty good book <laughs> yeah those three decent. works cited in his Nobel speech I think you'd be hard-pressed to find another Bob Dylan record that seems to directly be inspired by those three specific books that he went out of his way to say, these were like foundational for me. Mm-hmm. All of those come up when you, when you listen to this album. Um, yeah. And I think that that's not a coincidence. Like, and that's not a, that's not insignificant is all I'll say for now. And I think it's also a character based
2: album rather than, being i mean obviously there are some personal things like he's longing for certain things even in the first song but kind of he kind of takes on this character and stays with the character yeah it's like to a the like end. a
0: crypt keeper type of character yeah. like a narrator who's who's bringing you through these uh tableaus of misery
1: yeah i think the death focus of this like and comparing it to time out of mind like time out of mind like he's 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 scared of death and he's like concerned about it personally he's like working through it and like is making a record about his own like you know kind of emotional reaction to you know the end of things and by the time we get to tempest it's like he's he's adopted this sort of like like sick kind of like um uh, fascination or, or ability to even like find something funny or humorous in all of this, like murder and destruction around him. And he's just like kind of wallowing in it and, and, um, they're not wallowing in it. Um, uh, like glorying in it basically just like, like basking in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, um, you know, there's something almost kind of, uh, beautiful in the, the same way that like Guernica is beautiful. Uh, the painting. Uh, yeah. uh, this, this scene of just massive destruction and, and misery. Sure, turning um, that
0: into a work of art.
1: Right, exactly.
0: While we're talking about it's... art, uh, just before we start uh, discussing the tracks, you know, today I went to the MoMA uh, Museum of Modern Art for you Philistines. Mm-hmm. And, I, I was just
2: I was just there the yeah? other day, too.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you saw the de Kooning, uh, the one that's, you know, the horrific woman. Like this, this, uh, yeah, yeah, it's this absurdly grotesque, uh, Mm -hmm. picture of a woman, um, which was one of de Kooning, his favorite things to do was to degrade women and also to paint really well. But, um, (laughs) there's a quote on, uh, the little plaque next to that painting. And I thought it was germane to, uh, I was thinking about Tempest and thinking about or talking about today when I read it, he said, Beauty becomes petulant to me. I like the grotesque. It's more joyous. And with that, I think we can honk on Bobo. (laughs) (laughs) Do you hear something? Do you hear something, Ian? Do you you hear something, Steve? Like a stereo or something? No, no. It's a whistle. It's a Duquesne whistle blowing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I got you. Got your ass. Oh. <laughs> uh, because
2: there is a stereo blasting out on the street and I was getting nervous. But
0: you should get nervous. You should get afraid because that, that Duquesne whistle is... And our whistle's blow. Okay, here we go.
1: Let's hop on that train, boys. It's going to ride you night and day.
0: Blue light blinking, <laughs> red light glowing. That Duquesne train going to ride me night and day. Uh... Duquesne whistle, the first track on Tempest. Hmm. Um it's it's Jaunty.
1: Jaunty.
2: Jaunty and rambling. Absolutely. Sort of and pick, there's, picking
1: up you where can. he left off with uh, Robert Hunter on the, the last LP before this. Obviously a much longer song and more kind of fully formed, I think, than a lot of what came on Together Through Life, but this is the this is like the closest thing that you get to together through life on this record because the rest of this is not at all close to what he was doing three years before.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's it's strange. It's interesting because there's almost this positive, almost vaudevillian entrance.
0: to yeah. the record. It yes. has that muted uh, quality, which which thematically suggests sort of like a. Um, it's kind kind of like the beginning. And the end of uh, Robert Altman's *The Long Goodbye*, you hear that uh, like tinny sounding little musical intro. I think it's "Hooray for Hollywood." At least it is at the end of the movie. But there's there's mm-hmm. some other like tinny little radio n- number, like old music from the '40s playing,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: then the movie starts, and you are in a different time and place. And in in that case, you know that movie you're suddenly, you're in what was then contemporary, uh, the 1970s, but with this character who's sort of out of time. And it's a similar effect on this record, where that uh, old-timey sound that we have come to be used to from the the Jack Frost sound, which is now fully established by the time this record <laughs> comes out, uh, you you are used to hearing something like that. And then after that little intro happens the band kicks in and the production shifts a little and you, it, it goes into a full sort of lush uh, high fi high fi yeah. version of, of the, of the song. And, um, the music video also does something similar where, um, you get these glimpses of, of Dylan from the back as he's walking through the streets of downtown Los Angeles with this like posse of like, uh, <laughs> a bear, cool there's like a there's like a goth guy there's there's a, or a, gr- a few girls there's like some like tough looking mexican guys with like you know their top button only buttoned and uh that whole video is like as we've said before on the podcast it's like 500 days of summer but like he just chooses violence and he makes that guy like <laughs> the, the character who's like the charming uh girl crazy guy. He gets his ass fucking handed to him like 10 different ways. Deservedly. So, (laughs) and, and Dylan is walking with this crew and just like when he finally, those stories meet, you see Dylan just completely absentmindedly, like with, without any care, just step over this guy's battered body. (laughs) And, uh, it's perfect for the song. Because that really is the feeling uh, that will pervade this whole record and to some extent, as we've just made clear.
2: Yeah, and for me, the feeling, the darkness hasn't really set in yet. Right. I no. think that comes maybe in the next song, but I have to say, musically speaking, Tony Garnier really shines on, on this whole record. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This song particularly... Um, like his bass playing on this song is really, it's kind of, it's it, it holds the whole record together because mm-hmm. um, this record is pretty bass heavy. I think it's like a lot of rolling sort of circular riffs, but this song particularly, he's just sort of playing. He's like, you can hear him just searching around and being like open and loose. Yes, it's pretty loose. It's very cool
0: yeah and and the uh, the sound of it uh, as we said is, is I think some have taken issue with the fact that f- like the fidelity overall it's very clean almost some would say mm-hmm. to a fault like that this is yeah. kind of a it sounds too crisp. I think that the right. uh, effect is offset perfectly in my opinion by Dylan's vocal, which throughout the mm. record and you're introduced to it on this first track of course, is like probably the most ravaged and um, it's leathery broken yeah. leathery <laughs> uh dusty ground glass and and paint thinner type of but it's also
2: boa. it's kind of it's also like a bolo tie yeah with a with a scorpion that was that also yeah. was that was <laughs> That was dipped in some cologne as well. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it,
0: it, he is like, uh, he's intimidating on this record. And when I think about the, the Duquesne train, the uh, the Duquesne whistle, the, it seems like a, a metaphor for him in, in this song, sort of like, I'm just going to charge <clears throat> through your no good town. I'm going to roll through your life. You better watch out like I'm coming.
1: I think it's such a necessary song for the album too, because it's mm-hmm. so unlike everything else that's about to follow. Basically, like if you yeah. if you just struck this song and started it with soon after midnight and then ran through the rest of it, like there's so it, like the doo whistle at the beginning of this album gives it this like absolutely essential moment of levity, basically where you're just like. Oh he can you know we're still having a good time we're still snapping our fingers that that intro where it goes from the you know kind of uh, lo fi to high-fi thing is sort of a like you you grin to yourself when you hear that uh, the first couple times and really anytime you hear it, at least anytime I hear it um, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know I, I think it's just a master stroke of sequencing as all Bob records really are you know the king of sequencing um mm-hmm. but uh, but starting this off starting us off on this record with this and then. Taking such a hard left turn for the next hour plus, basically, because this is a fucking long right. ass album. Um, it's so it's so perfect, and it's so like it's such a it's such an inspired bit of misdirection. I think,
0: however, uh, there, it's, it's not without it some. Uh, there is some foreshadowing in the lyrics. You know, there's you you say I'm a gambler, you say I'm a pimp, but I ain't neither one. Right. You say I'm a pimp. Well, we all do say Bob Dylan is a pimp. P i m p. Um, and, and then blowing like, it's going to kill me dead. Uh, there's a couple sort of violent, uh, or rough edged lyrics in there. Um,
2: and the song sounds, it's almost like a, it's a welcoming, like, come on, come on in, hop on, hop on the train. I'm going to chop your head off after a couple of songs. (laughs) <laughs> and I'll throw your body off the train by the fifth song. Yeah, or after you've ha- listened to the whole album <laughs> and you come back
0: to this one, you just know that like this is not a happy choo choo train. This is a, when he yeah. says blowing like it's going to kill me dead, it's like he's really speaking <laughs> to <through laughs> the fact that a train is something that has killed and will kill again. <laughs> it's a,
2: it's it's a train to hell. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. It's a, it's a crazy train, you one could say.
1: One could say Good song. So is the next one, soon after midnight.
0: See, this is this is a song that's underrated, in my opinion. (laughs) Really? Okay. I feel it's underrated by a lot of people. (laughs) As much as people say that it's a, you know, they love this record. I I don't know. I mean, I don't see how you can uh, eat up this stuff on on modern times for for example and and not see this as just like right up there i think it's mm-hmm. it's a beautiful song and i we talked about it not too long ago uh when we were going through the jokerman 100 our um canonical and um, R- rapturously
1: is. received the uh, ranking, yeah, objectively correct ranking of all of Bob's output.
0: Well, I, I love that there's sort of a Shakespearean bent to this uh, song. Soon after midnight, um, I've got a date with the fairy queen, mm. um, and it's it's sort of as I've said before, reminds me of, or it, it evokes sort of images of Dylan walking through uh, an enchanted garden, you know, and and he's going to. Uh, it's sort of a fantastical, surreal vision of, of uh, the same sort of romantic uh, mode that he was in on, say, Modern Times.
2: It's wide-eyed and wondrous. Yeah. I think um, it's sentimental. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't think it's... For me, it's... I wouldn't call it a, a, a straight-up dud, per se. But... It's not the breakthrough song for me.
0: I wouldn't, I don't think I it see. I see Evan's heart breaking. Well, in no, no, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that it's, uh, I, I would agree with you that I don't, but I, I don't think that it intends to be <laughs> like a show-stopping number. It's more of a, uh, I, what I really love about the song, like where it really comes together for me is actually at the end, um, just mm-hmm. those few lines. Uh, when I met you, I didn't think you would do, it's soon after midnight, and i don't want no one but you. And mm. so like this whole song yeah. has all these fantastical images and it's very whimsical and it, it that last little moment of this song is one of the it maybe the only just straight up heartfelt little um love m- message on the whole There thing. are some be- beautiful lines in it for sure.
2: But i also think that there's a line that's sort of the first breakthrough line. Oh, uh, two time and slim.
0: The, who's ever heard of him? I'll drag his corpse through the mud. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: that's like the first glimmer of what's
0: to come. Yeah. We, so far, we're two All for right. two with songs that are including something violent. Something about don't for, killing you dead. I'll drag your corpse through the mud. Don't forget about
1: we, my heart is cheerful. It's never fearful. I've been, I've been down, down on the, on the killing, killing
0: floor. floors. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in like this, like <clears throat> completely innocuous sounding, uh, uh, swooning baggy, vocal yeah. take. Yeah. I've been and down that's, that's on the killing w- flows.
2: That's that's a good word, innocuous, because I feel like the mel- just melodically, this song is really sort of stock. Right. Like st- See, like st-
0: I, I feel like st- that he's playing with that on this record. I could be reading into it a little too much, but <clears throat> as we established with our m- many discussions about love and theft, that's a record that I think is very much about stock music being given a new lease on life by reconfiguration and reinterpretation. Mm-hmm. And as, mm-hmm. you know, as made very clear uh, or sort of opaquely, Uh, he points that out by putting the big quotation marks on love and theft. Um, It's sort of his version of like sampling is by doing these uh, rote kind of uh, run-throughs of established song tropes. And on Mm -hmm. this record, I feel that he has completely divorced the lyric from the song. He's no longer doing... A type of song that you're familiar with, and doing lyrics that are pretty familiar with that style. He's he's going full bore, like to the edge mm-hmm. of the earth with the lyrics, but mm-hmm. the the music is still in that more grounded uh, mode. For at least on some of the songs, some of them end up well, being a little yeah. bit more um, end up actually seeming to be dislocated from time. And, and traditional song craft. Uh, one in particular that I think we'll, we'll get to shortly, but that's one thing that I, I find really remarkable about the record is that as charming as something like uh, modern times and, and love and theft can be, he still seems to be playing it a little close to the vest with like, I'm going to do my version of these types of songs. Whereas here mm-hmm. he is just like cutting loose mentally but you know his body's still playing kind of like uh uh, a jug band type tune or whatever it is Hmm.
2: or maybe it's him kind of stepping into because he's stepping into his own material but still has another foot in his covers all of the stuff that he was doing previously yeah right so it's sort of almost a standard style tune yeah but he's starting to twist he's starting to Twist a story into it,
0: and right, which is which is why I I associate this record more closely with like Blonde on Blonde and Highway 61 and those classic records than I do almost any mm-hmm. other album by him. And I think that's what got me so excited about it when it first came out. You know, it was a early Dylan record for me, but I knew those albums well by the time mm-hmm. I heard mm-hmm. this. And to me, it yeah. seemed like the first time he was coming out with a record that was in that mode more so than it, than I'd ever like been a part of, you know, to see come out like a new Bob Dylan record where he's, he's kind of going for it lyrically as he used to. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I think with some reflection and some time, I don't think that was just an illusion. I think this record really is pretty, it's pretty established for me now that this, this is more akin to his wilder Mm -hmm. side um, creatively yeah. lyrically than even love and theft in modern times
2: it makes me think of john wesley harding as well because mm. it's a lot of there's a lot of characters a lot it's just sort of the knack there's a narrative yep involved yeah i see and, that and he's it's almost like a deta- he's detached himself
0: yeah
2: you know, Whereas- from from the sort of story and it's more of this kind of historical tragedy or something yeah that's a good
0: point because john wesley harding of course has these um songs that feel like they might be from the perspective of they have sort of an omniscient narrator or it feels like Mm -hmm. kind of literary in that sense or even biblical at Mm -hmm. times and and this record definitely has some of that too whereas something like blonde on blonde you're Mm -hmm. kind of or or blood on the tracks like for the most part you're there with him and he is kind of giving you his take on his experience, or, or sort of or more, more man or on the street, yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: He he zooms out a bit on this, and, and it becomes, feels a little bit more literary for that. I think.
1: I would say I do. You know, we're we're all here to sing the praises of Tempest uh, in this episode, certainly. But I I I would a- agree with you. I think Steve that for me at least, this is where the record like sort of slows down a little bit. Like the first side, I think is is uh, it starts off really strong with Duquesne Whistle, ends very strong, which we'll get to in a little bit. But these the, the like the middle of the first side from soon after midnight through the next couple songs, like I I get like my mind wanders a little bit when I get through these. Yeah, um, and yeah. Uh, and that's not to say anything negative about any of these songs, um, but uh, compared to what comes at the end, like you know, at the end of the first side, and then the just every song on the second side, like I'm I'm into Tempest when I'm when I'm into Tempest, I'm into it for like the big, heavy, just insane, out of this world kind of shit. And and some of these songs on the first side are a little more just like they they almost feel like soon after midnight. To be honest, it feels like it could be from Together Through Life to me which is no mm-hmm. shade on Together Through Life or on this song. Those are great. It's a great record. It's a great song. But it's just mm-hmm. a more sort of like like inconsequential kind of thing. Um, if, I, if I'm
0: going to be the devil's advocate <laughs> for this record, uh, <laughs> as is my role, <laughs> I would just say that while you're, while I, I see where you're coming from, I think that this song is like the little bit of uh, sweetener that you don't necessarily know that you need. But it, it is there to balance the rest of the thing. Sure, it, it is like if it wasn't there, I think you would miss it. Because yeah, like we were
1: just saying with Duquesne whistle, like you need that levity at the beginning to 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 set you up for just this intense fucking you know uh, all, all all sense explosion towards the end of this record on some of the I other mean, songs.
2: You can you, you got to eat your broccoli first. Yeah. You know? yeah. There you go. The cake is it's not red you can't have oh, you the, can't cake the cake or yet.
0: maybe in this case the like raw bl- blood <laughs> <laughs>
1: plate plateful of black pudding yeah um, soon after midnight nice song narrow way song three
0: yeah so what a, what, a, so what a rocker the opposite this song rocks yeah. So
1: yeah this is
2: this for me this is the entrance into this is when you're sort of on the train. And you, now you, you, all the doors are locked and it's moving really fast. <laughs>
0: yeah, and you're going through some, you know, you know, you, making some hairpin you, you turns. You can't get out. <laughs> you're, yeah, you can see no uh, Dracula's out. castle looming on the mountaintops <laughs> in the distance. There's there's like a leg and dim light with
2: a garter belt yeah. that you can't exactly <laughs> see. And there's a lot of smoke and card playing. And
0: Narrow way kind of it features one of the great lyrics on the record, Um <clears throat> If I can't work up to you, uh,
1: you'll surely, surely have to work, have to work down, work to, me down to me
0: someday. Yeah, <laughs> just a great line,
1: which I think is adopted <laughs> from somewhere. From what I, from the reading I did, I forget what exactly, but I think that is some sort of blues song or blues line or something, which makes sense because this is like real, like the same way that. Um, that uh, honest with me or something on uh, Love and Theft is Bob's like barn burning version of one of these blue stompers. That's I think that I think Narrow Way is that song on Tempest. Yeah. Uh, it's mm-hmm. honestly a pretty heavier. It's a heavier kind of sharper version of of something like Honest with Me. Like that that guitar riff that takes you through this song it's is awesome. just like oh, yeah,
0: yeah. It hits
2: so much. <laughs> ads. Yeah, I have. To, you have to give it to Charlie Sexton. Yeah, I mean, what, it what kicks ass. Uh,
0: I I, w- I want to point out that the like the second line in the song, "I'm gonna walk across the desert till I'm in my right mind." When he sings it, he says, "I'm gonna walk across the desert," and it sounds like he goes like, "Till I'm in my mind, till I'm in my till I'm in my mind. till I'm in I think he might even go. Till I'm in Rhyme might Nine. Till I'm in Rhyme My 9.
2: His
0: his
1: vocal delivery is, is uh it it's no? it's something you know? on this record. Of course
0: that works perfectly because the lyric Till I'm in my right mind to then mess that up is, is <laughs> funny.
2: This song, for me, it's because it's lo- it's longer, it's starting to get into I think the theme are one of the themes yes. of this record where it's like, he's just, it just, he doesn't give, he doesn't, he doesn't give, give a, a fuck. Ass. Like he doesn't <laughs> give a rat. Ass I mean, I'll just recite point. some
0: lyrics. I'm going to walk across oh. the desert till I'm in my run-time. I won't even think <laughs> about what I left behind. Nothing back there anyway that I can call my own. Go back home. Leave me alone. It's a long road. It's a long and narrow way. If I can't work up to you, you'll surely have to work down to me someday. Then it goes straight into "Ever since the British burned the White House down." <laughs> this song is just—it's uh, nuts. You know, I, I it's feel, like, idea that it, I've had on—I've stated before, but I wonder if you feel this way, Steve. Certain records, maybe on like a lot of records, like the third song feels kind of like a statement of intent. It's like mm-hmm, the third yeah. track can be where you kind of put in really what this thing is going to be like. Yeah. because I
2: think that just like Duquesne whistle, is that how you say it? Yeah. Duquesne. Yeah. Duquesne. Um, <laughs> Duquesne whistle. I mean, that's an entrance. That's an entrance song really. Yeah. I mean, and soon after midnight, it's kind of still clinging on to that sort of wondrous sort of, vaudevillian dylan style mm-hmm. right and then I, I the the gloves are off yeah for narrow for narrow way yeah. and like his his wondrous wide-eyed vision you know kind of gets a little narrow and squinty and a little he pulls the knife out of his jacket kind of i thing. think that totally. uh, in,
0: uh, talking about and soon after midnight as the second track while it is it <laughs> is sort of a soft song uh, especially relative to these other ones it has this pronounced sense of surrealism and um, sort of uh, a fanciful quality, which I think works as a bridge to the rest of the record. Like, it's not just a typical love song. It it, it makes it clear that this is not um, dealing in the... It, it, it sort of gives you like, okay, this is magical thinking. This is not just a mm-hmm. song about... Right, uh, driving to the mill. This is not a song about like. <laughs> oh, hey, there's
1: nothing wrong with driving to the mill. No,
0: surely. this is. That's one of the. Sometimes you're 40 miles
1: from the mill and you just got to get there.
0: Yeah. Got to go. Yeah. But, but for a song about a train and then a song about, you know, it being after midnight, both of those feature like a kind of um, madcap uh, feeling, which I think is of a piece with, for example, uh, Tweedly Dumb and Tweedly D. This is like Bob Dylan working with Tweedly Dumb and Tweedly D as, as, uh, as lyrical aids. You know, he's like asking them for advice. on like, well, what happens next on the, on the record? And they're going, well, and then giving him uh, the, the next song, you know, you have this to, is hard country to stay alive <laughs> in. blades are everywhere and they're breaking my skin. I got a heavy stacked woman with a smile on her face. <laughs> she has crowned my soul with grace. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still uh, bleeding from an arrow or hurting from an arrow that's pierced my chest. Great to to see
1: a septuagenarian with such a healthy libido. Take my
0: head and bury it between your breasts. It's a long (laughs) rip.
2: Another thing that, that interests me about Dylan is that he always seems to have a foot kind of in the modern world. And I think that he... He perhaps is
0: thinking about rap, maybe for this record. Sure, I, mean, I would go the other way, Steve. I think he's probably thinking about like the Bible and like <laughs> like like people uh, like the horror of Babylon. Like he's, or, or yeah, maybe he's, he's about, making a. I
2: think he's thinking about both. He's making a he's connection, yeah,
0: between like the the modern sort of sexual content in lyrics and the uh, <clears throat> the old. Sexual content, he, in, as we could say, like lyrics in the, the lyric of the old sense.
2: Did he bring up Pimp already, or is that, no, that already happened?
0: Yeah, or that or was
1: on happened. that was first song. You you came with songs. Pimp tits. So, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, 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 yeah, uh, that makes anyway. that makes sense because remember when Ray, when Rado was on and he was talking about um, Time Out of Mind with us, apparently Bob was listening to like hip hop records in the 90s and wanted to turn Dirt Road Blues into. Some sort of sample. That's why Dirt yeah. Road Blues sounds the way that it does because it's built on a sample. The way that a rap song from 1996 would have been. Yeah, the, it, so right. that, I, mean, I think that totally makes sense.
2: Essentially, like Narrow Way, for instance, it's just, it, it could be a loop. I mean, yeah, exactly. Also has that sample kind of sound. Dirt Road Blues yeah, was, was
0: made that way. They actually just sort of looped this um, yeah. this riff, and
2: you could yeah. throw some scratching over that, and you'd be like, you know, you'd be in business. Some, Sounds sweet. And I, another, I was walking around listening to this a lot lately. Another band that it reminded me of was. Are you guys familiar with The Fall? Oh, are we
0: familiar with? The, well, you, you've come, so to all, Les, come to the right Ian place. Ian so, but I, I am a huge fan. Me too. In fact, I'm a huge I've, fan. I've got uh, Renegade, the, uh, the Marky oh, Smith nice. autobiography, right here. Oh boy, it's full of great shit. There's a part in this book where he's like, I'm one of the few people who it's actually good for me to do speed because it helps me sleep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I
2: I was thinking of particularly this song, Narrow Way, that we're focusing on at the moment. Oh, I
0: mean, that's this uh,
2: reminds me bread of and butter Marky right Smith. It reminds me of Marky Smith in the fall because it's, if you listen to a classic fall song, it's just a, It's just a like a basically a a steady riff, a loop, repetition, just like straight ahead all the way through, right? With repetition, with a a completely crazy bastard rapping over it. (laughs) I might have
0: to take my head and bury it between your breasts. Uh, it's a long road, Uh, it's a long and narrow way. See. Yeah, Yeah, it reminds me of... um, I don't know if it's a good correlation. No, it's perfect. I mean, the song Living Too Late, um, I think it's like a mid to late 80s Mm -hmm. fall song, has some great lyrics that could be taken off this record. Sometimes Life Mm -hmm. is Like a New Bar, uh, like Plastic Seats, Beer Below Par, uh, something, and then like Something Something, Music Greats, and I'm Living Too Late. All these lyrics that are... uh, about just the depravity of, of of living um there's a certain song on this record especially i think that yeah. is, feels like his living too late um mm-hmm. crows feet are ingrained on my face and i'm living too late
1: i wonder if bob's ever heard the fall
0: i don't know but i i don't i, I bet you hear that has. is, yeah, is I, bet you, I bet he has steve he's, you're i'm so glad not, you brought he's not that up cuz i i i've had that i think that was honestly probably why i was so drawn to this record in some respect because at mm-hmm. the time it came out I was really discovering the music of the fall in a big way Oh, cool! and uh it's not so different
2: well I guess I just it's the sort of listening experience that I just had the other day where it's it's obviously the, the song never changes and it's just like if you're not sitting down and listening to every word it just kind of becomes this like story on this unraveling of lines that sort of connect and maybe not and it's almost like free association you can almost hear him thinking or something right and and it you know I guess there's a similarity to similarity to rap and and I also was thinking about Marky Smith and his he was such an interesting and kind of obtuse and abstract lyricist and such a maniac as well. Marky Smith mm. was
0: bigly, bigly, bigly. <laughs> he was hugely influenced by, uh, by Can, Bob Dylan? Yeah, Bob Dylan. Marky Smith was a big Cannes uh, fan. And, and yeah. actually, uh, I think is on the record saying that Domo Suzuki's approach to lyrics was uh, a huge inspiration for him, which starts to really, I think that's a, a like a, major key to understanding his uh indecipherable most of the time lyrics because they yeah. it, it'll go between being like actual words and then just french and then just something that sounds like french or german or japanese mm-hmm. and uh marky smith did that but for for the british language <laughs> of just being uh putting jargon and and colloquial Speak uh, mixed together with like ten dollars words and
2: and the delivery. It's all
0: really about yeah the delivery
2: yeah. as well. It's almost as if I know that Marky e. Smith was super into reggae and super into toasting and the, the, the like. M- you know the sort of MC style of, like, of DJs who are just sort of saying lines over a, a rhythm.
0: You know? Yeah, and and in a way, um, Dylan has his own analog of that, but you know, his interest in, or also interested in reggae. (laughs) Also interested in reggae. (laughs) Yeah. Yes.
1: (laughs) There's this great moment on the, uh, on, I, I don't know if you guys have listened to the Joker man, like reggae remix, but, uh, there's this great moment where there's like this, like kind of hype, hype sounding like, um, a rave or not rave up, but like like just hype up kind of moment before the song starts, where someone says "Joker Man" in like a Joker like Man, a, literally like uh, that. I, I gotta check
2: that out. It, that. It's
1: pretty wild. It just came out on record store day a couple of weeks ago.
0: Joker uh, Man,
1: yeah. Joker Man uh, <laughs> dance
0: to the night. <laughs> I'm glad.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you were willing to do that, Evan, because I could not do it, and uh, I was uh, worried worried about getting in trouble.
0: Should I do it as Bob Dylan as a Jamaican person?
1: Well, he isn't Joke the one that's actually saying. Let's uh, let's, <laughs> let's let's leave this uh, this avenue unexplored for the time being and uh,
0: and move on down the narrow way to long and wasted years. Chicken, another great riff. This is uh, what, like, when I was talking about strange musicianship or, or songs that feel like less like he's just doing a type of song, you know, like this is not really a type of song anyone does. I don't think like the, the weird floaty nature of the song is pretty unique. As far as I can tell, but you starts once, with,
1: once again with this, that like weird kind of like, like lo-fi ish kind of thing. It's,
2: it's wasted, right? I mean, right. Yeah. That's what they're going for. Yeah. Sound wasted guys. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. We also didn't mention that the, the beginning of, Soon after midnight, has the same shit going on as um, the beginning of Duquesne Whistle. Where it Duke, has yeah, that... so we've had
1: three of the first four songs. Does this one,
0: I don't feel like. I guess <laughs> it's, this it's one. It's not the does... same.
1: It's not the same as the first two, but I think it has that A same ish kind of feeling. What, what
0: this one has, which is cool, is that sort of like. Caught like in media res, sort of intro, uh, uh, where it feels like the song has already been going
2: on. The song's playing.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's a fade. Yeah. It's
2: it's sort of like a lovely. It sounds. It's painting a picture and it's painting a feeling and it's more gentle. It's
0: like going back. It's getting a little more gentle than narrow way. It's kind of pulling back. Right. A right. And yet it's going a little deeper into that um we or that um the darkness yeah i suppose it's yeah it's it's getting as it gets darker it that does not mean that it gets heavier it it which is a remarkable feat to make a record that well lyr-
2: lyrically it starts kind of like things start unfolding and he's Starting to say some serious stuff like he hasn't seen his family in 20 years and they might be
0: dead.
1: Yeah, that line is always sticks out to me when I listen to this they this might record. Be dead by now. I, yeah, I ain't seen my family in 20 years. That ain't easy to understand. They may be dead by now. I lost track I, of them after they lost their land. It just comes out of nowhere.
2: I also like that line where it's like the sun can burn your brains yeah, right the out. Sun, mm-hmm. Don't you know? Yeah, the heavy. sun can burn your brains right out. <laughs> Yeah, I think that th- might be my favorite line of the on the whole record. My enemy it crashed in-
0: into the dust, stopped dead in his tracks, and he lost his lust. Lost his lust. He was run down hard, and he broke apart. He died in shame. He had an iron heart.
1: I wear dark glasses to cover my eyes. There's secrets in them I can't disguise.
0: That particular passage. The the uh, my enemy crashed into the dust. That's the part where he's done he's changed the lyrics like a hundred times live. And it's always really funny what he chooses to oh, supplement. He's
2: also like taunt he, he's like taunting the sort of style. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost feel like he's almost trying to embody Satan a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I with like that. Sung- with the sunglasses and and you know, the sort of imagery.
1: He does, yeah. I mean, he, he. There's a very sinister feeling to this record, and he adopts a very sinister a kind of persona. Yeah. Like as much as yeah. any and of this is actual insight into him, like he seems like a like a creepy, like violent, like ugly old man, but in a very compelling and kind of way. It's,
0: it's a little inhuman. It's is what you're getting at, I think. It's almost like pagan, mm-hmm. like like his vision of the world just happens to include. The most lowly and foul, and also the the divine, and there's he makes no distinction. He delights
1: in all of this ugliness.
0: It's like Hieronymus Bosch, uh, Garden of Earthly Delights, up in here, where you've got like hell and heaven on the same uh, in the same artwork. Mm -hmm. And there's, I think, a line in Scarlet Town: the evil and the good uh, sleeping side by side, sitting side by side.
2: I feel like that's a satanic song as well. Like <laughs> but yep, in between yeah. that,
0: pain, and blood, which is Oof. that's that's
2: that's, that's like, the that's, that's the, the one. meat. That's the meat. That's the meat of that, the
0: of the album.
2: I'm
1: with
0: you. After long and wasted <laughs> years, uh, a great song, which which I would be happy to just have go on for twice as long as it does. This is where um, the
2: rivers of blood and bosom and limbs get pulled and. Yeah. flat flesh on the just floating in the water. This you're is what sailing
1: down the river sticks on a on a raft made of skeletons.
0: Yeah, this is this is uh this is Willy Wonka like screaming in that dark tunnel, uh but it's Bob Dylan. <laughs> you're just gonna get you're gonna get gutted and get disemboweled.
2: I actually I, I, I mentioned that I, I might have a favorite line, but I think I have another favorite line that might be better than burning your brains out, which is another politician pumping, pumping it. out the piss. Pumping out the piss.
1: All timer. All what, fucking
0: timer. What a,
2: what a line. <laughs> Incredible.
0: I mean, I've, I think I've said so much about this song already, but I mean, I'll reiterate just because here I am. Here we are. Well, I'm grinding my life out steady and sure. Nothing more wretched than what I must endure. I'm drenched in the light that shines from the sun. I could stone you to death for the wrongs that you've done. I mean, every, every single line of this is my favorite line. But uh, I love that that I'm drenched in the light that shines from the sun. That this isn't this isn't a song that makes violence into like something dark and shadowy. It puts it right mm-hmm. front and center, and it it make that <clears throat> line about you know showing that like the death is right there under the hot sun. It just feels like. You can't look. You can't pretend that things are. Uh, it's this isn't a dark night of the soul. It's like a dark day and night. This, He's having a great time. An orgy of blood. And it's like
2: this. If you, and when you brought up sequence and how how great some of these albums are sequenced, I feel like this is such like this is right smack in the middle of the record. And exactly where it should be. And it's exactly where it should be. And it's almost as if every song has built up. To this one and totally. his, vo- his voice has almost built Has built up to a scream He's like right. practically screaming in the song
1: The way his voice sounds In that first line I'm grinding my life out It, he, it sounds like a car It, it sounds like a 60 year old car Starting up like without a transmission Or something It's just like yeah. the most fucked
0: up Night after night Day after day They strip your useless hopes away the more I take, the more I give. The more I die, the more I live. It's just uh, the most metal. Yeah, it's metal. It's, it's like it's and hard it's like, as rain hell. Rain in, it's it's raining blood by Slayer. Yeah, yeah. It makes that stuff look like a child's play. Yes. Yeah. And and of course this features that line: "Someone must have slipped a drug in your wine. You gulped it down and you lost your mind. My head's so hard it must be made of stone. I pay in blood, not but my not my own." My own. I pay in blood, but not my own. That's as good as most of the time in terms of uh, just like a little lyric that just mm-hmm. carries everything. It's it's got so much to it.
2: And I have to say, we gotta give credit to the band. I mean, yes, they this band is so like Charlie and Tony are. Just I mean, they're just they're just holding it down, absolutely and, killing it. That's not easy to do. I mean, how long is this song? It's just like...
1: Five, six minutes, something like that? Okay. Five, yeah, 5.09. It's,
2: oh it's just like, it's hard, it's heavy. Yes. It's really tough. Yeah, it, it sounds,
1: I, I think I mentioned this when uh, we talked about the this song initially uh, on our uh, countdown, Evan, but like it's... This is this is like an anthemic kind of sounding song like you can really yeah. just like get into the riff and like just like rock mm-hmm. your head to it and just like and that, lose yourself and it's not something that you get out of Bob songs very often and to have thi- a- one this good is just like oh my yeah. god it's
2: killer Yeah. and that there's like a line like in between like yes. like that sort of guitar that's like so burning good. guitar line so it's good
0: so, it's killer this song is the best. There's there's dozens of, of lines in this song that I love. Um, I've been through hell. What good did it do? <laughs> is one of my favorites. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's la- like that is a laugh out loud lo- line. It's so good. <laughs> you bastard! I'm supposed to respect you. you?
1: Uh
0: man! Amazing. Hear me holler, hear me moan, indeed.
1: The old man's still got uh still got some moxie left.
2: Pumping, kiss, a, pumping blood. out blood, man.
0: So pumping good. Blood. Who's ever said anything like that pumping before? It. Followed it right by another ragged beggar blowing you a kiss. <laughs> which is just like so foul. I mean you <laughs> just think about like your your girlfriend, your mom walking down the street and some like De- decrepit little goblin man, just going. <laughs> you know, it's so it's so nasty. <laughs> this song is nasty. That's right. And it is like so full of uh confidence. It, it it's like, it this is just cum and blood. This, this song is this, this guy, the character in the song, comes <clears throat> blood. And then there's like an
2: eyeball. There's there's an eyeball floating in. There as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, if he were if he were to not come blood, if it were to be normal, he would be disappointed. This character, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and to have this song come out in 2012, also like mm-hmm. once again, Bob just Yeah,
0: I'll give you justice. I'll fatten your purse. Show me your moral virtues first. That one feels Bob is just
1: seeing the future on this whole record and this song in particular. Totally. Once again, like you know, the, like. This song, this whole record really makes sense, like in the world that we exist in today, which is just a fucking burning just hellscape. But like nine years ago, things were not great in a lot of regards, but a lot better in many.
0: Are you know what I think you're getting to something in I think that Obama being president is the reason (laughs) why this record wasn't received as it should have been. (laughs) I think that there might be something to that. It's like a lot of the art. And, and the things that came out during Obama's presidency and even toward the end of Obama's presidency. But like there was kind of a resistance to things that were uh, full of piss and vinegar and, and discontent because people wanted to believe that things were good mm. and, you know, that we were right. on the right, right. track. And it, it was probably a little bit annoying to hear this old, this like 71 year old or however old he was at the time do these songs that, feel, especially it was something like this, where it feels like, well, who's got time to hear? And it was probably right at the beginning of the old, old white men, you know, need to shut up sort of discourse, and uh, here he is just being like doing the opposite and just being like, uh, being the most vile version of himself. I, I don't know that everyone is ready to welcome that I think he just saw what
1: was coming down the pike the same way that he had had has been doing all throughout Mm -hmm. his life and in particular moments in his career with love and theft with modern times tempest once again he's seeing the future he saw a little further into the future on this one but uh you know three four years after this record came out I I feel like we were all living in scarlet town we were
0: interestingly I I've heard that this record was uh initially he wanted it to be more of a religious record And I don't know much about that, uh, but uh, it's something I've heard that stuck with me and I've I've contemplated Hmm. as I listened to it. The cover, of course, seems to have a cross on it. Um, The T, the way it's stylized, um, not so unlike the the sort of clandestine cross on Slow Train Coming. Um, I think that he said that it didn't turn out that way. It ended up being... Less of a religious (laughs) album, but...
1: It it wasn't a Christian record. It was a a Satanist record. Satanic. A a pagan ritual. (laughs) Like a a black goat. Well, um, boy, what a first side of a record.
2: Where where do
0: we go from here? Where do we go from here? Well, that's the end of side one, side A, of The Great Tempest. The Great Tempest. Stick around uh, for our next episode. Where we will return with Steve Gunn and uh, talk side two. Jokerman.
2: Well, I'm grinding my life up, steady and sure. Nothing more wretched than what I must endure. I'm dressed to the light. That shines from the sun, I could stone you to death for the wrongs that you have done.
0: Sooner or later you make a mistake. I put you in a chain that you never would break. Legs and arms and body and bone.